Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Changes to cancer coverage for integrated shield plans offered by private insurers to provide additional coverage on top of the MediShield life component came into effect last month. That's April 2023. The changes meant that private insurers are allowed essentially to pay only for drugs and treatments on the cancer drug list, the CDL. And even then, such payments have to be capped. But there are riders. Riders are meant to pay the bulk of the patient's share of the bill not covered by the integrated plan. Um, there are riders that continue offering policyholders almost unlimited coverage for all cancer care, meaning you could survey and you could purchase riders among several insurers to cover much of the cost for cancer treatments, including drugs not on the CDL. But what does this mean for how much you pay for your IP in the long run? What are the markups? What do you need to know to make an informed decision about riders and cancer care? Elijah Lee is Senior Financial Services Manager from Philips Securities. Good morning. Elijah. Good morning. Help us understand what are you hearing on the ground about how the changes have been received by people in the medical field? Okay, so I would say that doctors, because I actually uh, spoken to some of them, and the doctors do feel that this change in the long run does help to bring cost of cancer drugs down. Okay, because naturally, if drug companies want their drugs to be included on the cancer drug list, then the cost has to be cost-effective. So we, we do see that in terms of um, drugs that are typically given in, say, government trip subsidized settings, right? most drug, provide, drug companies will try to ensure that they can get the drug on the list so that the drugs continue to be accessible to patients. The problem <laughs> arises when a drug is you know, um, effective but expensive, and this is where you know, possibly it may be so expensive that there's no way to reasonably bring the drug down, and that's when you have it falling outside of the cancer drug list. And then that's when, if you need a drug, mm. you're probably going to face a problem, right? Mm. So, as you mentioned at the start, that's where these riders or shoe plans come in to help you to mitigate some of those costs. But uh, I do see that, one thing for sure, this is a very complex change. Whether or not uh, we know what the impacts will be, I think it will still take some time before we really uh, know how um, claims and all that move, given the fact that, you know, it's just so new, right? Mm. This thing mm-hmm. just occurred last A month last ago. Month. Yeah. Yeah, correct. So from what you're seeing, I mean, can, can you tell at all if there's a shift in the needle in terms of whether people are coming forward, asking about buying riders to cover uh, their cancer coverage? I would say yes. Uh, there's, uh, it's, it's not just about buying riders, but understanding how this change affects them in general. Yes. Uh, because ultimately, uh, if you are being treated for cancer, uh, there's no way to know beforehand whether your drug is on the drug list or not, right? You you go uh, to see an oncologist and then they tell you, oh, okay, you need this thing. I think it'll help you, but, you know, either it's on the list or not. So the thing is, if you really want to cover your basis, I feel that um, what, what I'm hearing from doctors is that you really do want to consider a rider. Okay, the key will be right sizing, I felt like, like because yes. we know riders add additional cost to your premiums. But the fact is, you are paying for that to cover the unknown of whether you may fall out for, you know, for beating the cracks and end up with something that's not covered because it's not on the cancer drug list. Mm. So definitely, I see a lot of people uh, trying to understand uh, the implications of this change. 
And that's, I think that's a plus uh, because I feel that people are actually wising up to this. They are, you know, being more responsible for their own financial well-being, right? Because mm. these things are definitely a, a big impact. Uh. Yeah. So to what extent people rushing to buy riders uh, okay. is leading to the escalation of premiums? That'll take longer to figure out, is what you're saying? Yeah, that'll take longer to figure out because okay. another thing would be uh, the drugs that, you know, it, it ultimately... It's a balancing game, right? You insurance companies collect premiums, but then they also pay out claims. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's really no, not I wouldn't think there's sufficient time frame right now to determine how the premiums will move. But uh, the general consensus, uh, based on two doctors that I talked to, is that the only direction is up. <laughs> yeah. That always seems to, to be up. the refrain when it comes to costs, medical costs. That generally seems to be the refrain when we yeah, talk medical costs, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, help us understand what is out there. What, what are the range of riders that offer cancer coverage that we're talking okay. about? So the general idea of um, riders, right, is that, of course, they're added to your shoe plan. So you do need a shoe plan first. But a shoe plan, of course, has to comply with the limits set forth by MOH and uh, MediShield Life. Right? So the riders typically increase your coverage by a certain amount. And so let's break that down uh, mm. for the listeners. So if your treatment is on the cancer drug list, okay, so let's say maybe your main shield plan offers you up to five times of the MediShield limit. Okay, So as you can imagine, maybe five times may not be enough because as I understand, chemo treatment can be given like say weekly. And you can imagine that um, let's say in a month, you have to take the treatment, say, six times. That means two different drugs, three times, right? So so that definitely is enough. So once you add a rider, mm-hmm. that raises the limit, but it may still not be enough. So this is, uh, sorry, when you add the main plan, it raises the limit, it may still not be enough. That's where the rider comes in. Your limits based off uh, the medical line limit could be raised to, say, even as high as 15 times. So that does help cover the power of the cost. As for non-TDL drugs, mm-hmm. okay, usually what I'm seeing is that the riders on the market basically have a absolute maximum you can claim. Okay, mm-hmm. So if let's say uh, you have a rider and say your drug is on non-TDL, perhaps your claim could be say set at 15000 maximum for the whole month. So anything about that is on you. And on top of that, at 15000 uh, you have to co-pay 10% of that. So that's, this, that's how uh, riders generally tend to work. Beyond that, uh, and, and this is where we're getting to uh, plans that are beyond that. So there are also plans that also uh, can cover you for even more out-of-pocket costs. Okay, so for example, um, not trying to make any recommendation, but there's this insurance costing life. They have a cancer cover plus plan, mm. which does increase your cap on the coverage to as high as 1.5 million a year. Mm. Okay, even if your drug, your drug is not on the cancer drug list. Yeah. So, you have to see what's on the market okay, and then see where uh, you feel that your gap is. And then after that, consider the plans that may help you to plug that gap. But I will say one thing is everything comes at a cost. Exactly. So you have to right size. And on top of that, you also need to acknowledge one thing, which is cost go up all time. Whatever you see today yeah. will change by next year and next next year and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. that's something that I think we have to be very, very aware of. So yeah. the rider has to be linked to your existing IP, right? So you can't have yes. an IP from one company and then go shop around and get a rider from another company. It's based on Correct. what your IP provider that you're presumably already with. I think over 70% of Singaporeans already have an IP. It's yes. what your provider can offer, basically. Correct. So you add what your provider can offer and then you shop around for plans that are 
not riders, but offer the ad- added boost in that cancer coverage that you feel you may need. But there are standalone cancer plans that offer sort of like a payout, right? Yeah, uh, more reimbursement, I feel, because payouts will be more on critical units. Okay, okay, more yeah. reimbursement. Uh, yes. Okay, help us. I mean, can you share with us sort of how much out of pocket we're going to be given these range of riders that have come <laughs> into the field for cancer okay. coverage? Sure, sure. Um, of course, I, I, I am no doctor, but uh, I do understand that um, most of the time, if you are in a subsidized setting, okay, uh, you should be okay. The problem arises when you're not in a subsidized setting, and that's where the issue arises. There are, as I mentioned, there are limits per month that you, 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 ha- you have to claim on, and you bust that limit. It could easily be either 5000 a month or more. And one thing I understand is that while the doctor has not to say that non-CDL limits, right, uh, on the best, uh, some of the best IT insurers, the riders, right, they do cover relatively well. But that, you know, you may fall into the situation whereby you are just one of those um, diagnosed with a very rare cancer. And then there is a drug that's available for you. But naturally, since it's so rare, it's going to be expensive. Mm. It won't be on the CDL. And then uh, you have to really pay through the nose to bring it in. And he shared one example. Uh, he didn't say what cancer it was for, but there is this one drug that um, he has. I, I think he has a patient that looking at it now. It costs half a million. No, just to bring the drug in. And that's, that's not something that uh, I think any IP, IP IP rider will be able to cover easily. Half a million is, is really not a small amount of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. unless you want that plan that offer 1.5 million, of course. Yeah, then you could claim on that. But then you, if, you're, if, if that's a copay, then you still pay 50000 out of pocket. Oh, Which is still not a small amount of money. Yeah, let's clarify that no riders are going to cover one hundred percent of the cost. Yes, right? I think that's the key thing you need to know. No rider will cover one hundred percent. You there's always some copay, especially with now on the non CDL. There's always some copay, you and there's no cap to that copay. Okay, for yeah. listeners and they want to make the best decision for themselves because they're looking at these riders saying, okay, I need to balance my intrinsic need to prepare for the worst when it comes yes. to cancer, and I also want to be cost savvy. I don't want to be paying through my nose for a rider that may have incredible markups in it. So help us understand the buffet syndrome and does it relate to IP riders if you, as you've seen it? Okay, so this buffet syndrome thing actually started quite some time ago. A uh, long time ago, hmm. uh, actually not that long ago, less than 10 years ago, uh, if you recall, MediShield Life actually wasn't introduced uh, that far ago. I think it was 2014 or 15. Okay. So at that point, uh, shoe plans would basically cover everything. So then you have this issue whereby, you know, you get visit the hospital and then you, for whatever reason, let's say condition A, and then uh, they do your scan and all that. And then, that, you know, they say that, um, you just want to do a few extra checks since you're already here. Just make sure everything else is okay. Mm-hmm. So that's where the buffet syndrome cropped up. And, and then you have a lot of treatment, a lot of scares and investigations that were actually not really Necessary. related to your initial admission being called for. Mm. And that, and then all of this have to be claimed, right? Because, you know, you're admitted, you're, you're hospitalized already and your shoe plan does say, oh, we, we will pay for it. And then, you know, you, 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 you have overconsumption, right? Overconsumption of all these services, which may not be strictly speaking medically necessary. Like, you know, it's, it's more of a good to have rather than a need to have. So that's caused the cost of uh, IP plans, not just the main plans, the riders as well, to spiral up. And then if you recall some years back, that was when uh, MOH stepped in and said that, okay, no more uh, full pay. Everything has to be at least some kind of co-pay. Yes. And I think that was 2018 or 19. So yeah. that didn't take very long to happen. And, you know, 
that problem is, I would say it's somewhat tackled now, and which is why we are moving on to tackle the next highest cost, which is cancer drugs. So ultimately, um, the premiums rose up, and then I would say actually there was a little moderation in premiums when MOH introduced this no more copay thing, and but then cancer drugs are probably causing it to rise again. But then one more thing is if we think really beyond this cancer drugs, that means planning further in the future. Mm-hmm. If cancer drug costs are ever tackled to what the government deems acceptable, what's the next thing they're going to go after? And that's the thing that really scares me because after that, as I understand, uh, be, be, after cancer drugs, the next most expensive treatments, which may be the target of um, cost reduction next, could be dialysis, organ transplant, brain and spine surgery. Yeah. Probably these two areas. So we have to be forward-thinking because uh, today, you know, uh, maybe there's a plan that, cancer's covered, that covers cancer treatment. You buy that. And then, Fires on road, MOH says that, okay, we'll not take a kidney and dialysis related cost. And then insurance come up with another uh, kidney related plan and then you buy that again. It, it's a never ending thing, right? Got it, got it. Yeah, got it. so we got to think about that. In the meantime, though, several MPs have raised uh, concerns about extremely high co- rider coverage for cancer treatment. So MPs worried that the riders provide high coverage for yep. cancer treatment. And uh, in response, the government um, health minister, Ong Kang, said recently that his ministry is monitoring cancer drug claims and coverage closely. And, um, you know, there's word that there'll be further steps taken to regulate IPs and riders if the costs continue to escalate, right? Yes. So would you say that the revised rider policies is sort of blunting the government's efforts to slow the rising cost of cancer treatment. I would think so, actually. As we know, the riders do offer even non-CDL coverage, and I think that's where uh, you're going to see the a lot of um, cost increases over there. Like Non-CDL, after all, the government does not want to cover, so if it falls on the rider, once again, uh, premium collected must be sufficient to pay out the claims. Right. So, mm. if uh, if the cost of non-CDL drugs um, continues to go up, then premiums have to go up. That's that's about how we can. That's that's probably the only way you can go, right? So, um, of course, I did see that um, they did. The government did say that they may step in to regulate the riders mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So, I think right now, uh, as you mentioned, the, they are monitoring the the, the claims of that. It's only been what one and a half months. Right. Uh, we don't really have enough data, but you know, the government has shown that they would be willing to step in and regulate. And if that's the case, then the burden of protection uh, is something that you know it cannot be fully placed on a. Uh, shoe plan anymore, even you have the rider. Yeah. The burden of covering all this cost of treatment will then have to shift to other forms of insurance, including things like cancer payout from a cancer plan or a CI payout. So I think um, that's if, if costs do go up, then you're going to see that uh, people will have to look beyond just riders and shoe plans. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the transferring of costs. People buy insurance because they want to transfer the costs of risks yes. from themselves onto organizations like insurance companies. Um, What do you think the further regulation of IP riders uh, could mean for patients in private sectors? Okay, uh, private sectors, I think, is a completely different ballgame. Private sector, I feel that uh, there's probably going to be 
far more bigger cost increase compared to the government sector. Uh, if you are, okay, basically if you're, if you're seeking treatment in private sector, right, you have to probably look at um, where your cost may be by the time, let's say 10, 15, 20 years down the road. You're going you're gonna to have to see if that's something you want. Because if it's not something you want, then there must be other ways to prepare yourself for the possibility of treatment costs. Mm. So, uh, while well, shoe plan definitely is a must, um, and a rider I will feel nowadays is also a must if you want to see treatment in private sector, the day may come when um, regulations clamp down the effectiveness or the scope of those riders. So, you are definitely going to prepare yourself for that day. Lah. That's, my, that's my take on it. Lah. Mm. But, um, Definitely, there are probably ways to go around that. As I mentioned, uh, cancer plans, cancer payout plans, or even CI plans do give you that last sum of money that you have, you can utilize for you know whatever you need lah, beyond just cancer drugs because things will change. I, I, I feel that actually MediShield Life, uh, when it first started, but this is just my personal view, when it first started, it, it seemed great. I was also very happy that you know things had changed from MediShield to MediShield Life. Mm-hmm. But then after that, due to cost, it, it's really a cost thing, right? Mm-hmm. There have been so many sweeping changes to MediShield Life that um, now it, it, it does look very different from when it initially started. Right, yeah. right. I think the worry for many people is won't regulation or what my rider yes. can do to cover my costs, could this compromise my treatment outcome if yes. I do need treatment. And I wonder if that's a concern at all amongst you say, you know, you run webinars with, with the medical field, um, doctors and such. Is this a real concern? Okay, one thing I was told about this uh, is, is that now I think doctors in the private sector have to do a lot more financial counseling before a treatment is done for cancer. I mean, uh, with this cancer drug list, naturally, the first, your first question is, am I covered? Is this on the drug list? Yes. So every time they have to administer this kind of things, I think I would say it creates quite a fabulous administrative bottleneck. Quite a fabulous administrative bottleneck. Uh, whether it's really true or not, I, 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 I suppose we will only know in time to come, but... Uh, I can imagine, you can imagine if you need a non-CTL drug, then yeah, a lot of uh, counseling is given and then, then you uh, start the treatment. And I, I feel like we, we probably want to see how this thing uh, pans out over the next one year or so. I, I, most chemotherapy cycles are three weeks and then you may need like something like six to ten causes of chemo. Mm. And, and in a year, I feel like we are going to see how the rider pricing will move, which again will, uh, of course, impact consumers ultimately. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. You raise a very good point that there actually is a need for some serious financial counselling yes. in hospitals. I mean, how many times have we walked in and thought, okay, I have no, I'm going in blind. I'm not quite sure how much I'm going to, I know I have to pay something like, I don't know, 15%. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, how does this how all much? break down? Yeah, yeah. between my, what, the, the what is claim? Before the treatment starts, that's the thing. So, so uh, I mean, you can imagine like how many how 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 many support staff need to be on hand to give all the counselling to all the patients undergoing treatment. Yeah, yeah, but it's so important. I think um, yes. covering those questions that contribute to so much stress for someone who's going through life saving treatment. You know. Yes. What do you think uh, this all means about the future relevance of IP riders? I mean, is it just fact of life that these things are going to evolve? Yes, I think it's a fact of life. That's my view. Uh, we've seen it evolve so many times in the past few years, mm. right? So uh, they will continue to evolve. How they can evolve, how they will evolve, mm. I don't have a crystal ball to that. Uh, I just think that um, a lot will depend on what the government uh, mandates for 
MediShield Life in general. Because when government announced changes to MediShield Life, then it spills over to IPs, okay? And then after that, it will spill over to riders. So I think changing IPs is a fact of life. Uh, I think having something to boost your coverage that doesn't fall within the score of IP would be good. That means, you know, you have the ability to finance your treatment regardless of how IP scope changes. I think that would actually be a very good way to remove the risk of um, having to deal with uncertainty of IP changes. That's my take. This is the heart of our show today. We've done many shows on, you know, the changes to cancer costs. We help people prepare before the changes. We help them understand the changes when they came into effect. And now we're talking riders. So help uh, us all decide um, what kind of rider to get if we don't have one. Okay, if you are going to one treatment in a private hospital, you definitely need a rider. And if you already have a rider, I feel that go through the rider, understand what it covers, understand that there will still be a gap, and ask yourself if you one day ever had to undergo this kind of treatment, can you cope with the gap? And if not, then the next question I would think is, uh, is there a better rider, right? There are some insurers that offer various, uh, a couple of riders, um, a couple of different type of riders, even for, say, the private hospitals. There may be a budget rider and a not-so-budget rider. I'll put it that way. So uh, the question is, if you feel that, you know, you, you have this gap and then the budget rider doesn't solve it, then do you want to consider the more expensive rider? And if that's the case, then what is your long-term cost? So it's really a cost-benefit analysis. And if you cannot take that cost, then the question, you have to ask yourself, Am I going to still want to continue on private sector or will I rather be better off uh, managing my costs moving down to, say, government level with a rider, of course. Got it. So a lot of cost-benefit analysis here to be done, uh, which I think varies by the individual because everyone's financial circumstances are different. Yeah. Yeah. And who can we put these questions to? So let me just share. You know, Mm. something happens with the IP, somebody goes to hospital. They find very often, I can speak for myself, that it's a ping pong game. You go back to the person who (laughs) sold you the IP and they say, oh, ask the clinic because the clinic will have to e-file. And then you ask the clinic and then the clinic says, oh, uh, maybe speak to the people who admit you and, you know, get some financial counseling there. You go down there and then they say, oh, um, ask your insurer and your insurer is uncontactable i don't even know how to get in touch with my I, the people who have you know provided the ip to ask them for any questions ask them any questions i have so who who can you turn to if you have questions on when you're admitted what does my ip cover what doesn't it this is actually that, that i don't really have a perfect solution to this frankly uh you are right you will get ping-ponged around a little i say depending this on is my, my experience yeah your experience was a fair bit I, i'd say uh so okay first and foremost of course um one thing that everyone needs to remember is that as we've seen a shoe plan change over time so when you bought a shoe plan many many years ago you might remember your coverage was so and so but then over the years it's evolved so one thing for sure is go back to your advisor your advisor should be able to answer you the questions but i will say also that Changes move so fast that sometimes they, they are, we ourselves take time to get acquainted with the changes. Like even this cancer trial, this thing, right? One and a half months on, I'm still absorbing it and I'm still learning something new. Yeah. So ultimately, right, don't let this thing hinder the treatment. I think life, life comes first. So yeah. you need to go for a treatment, go for the treatment first. Generally, you need to, of course, know, you know, are you going to the uh, right level of coverage? If you bought a, a government hospital plan, please don't go to private uh, unless you're willing to pay like a lot more, right? And if you want a private, then of course, go to private. And after that, you know, as uh, let, let contact your insurer if if, the, if, if you really need the uh, answers because 
the insurer ultimately will know what is claimable and what's not. But they will also need time to get back to you because mm. we never know what treatment you need. Mm-hmm. Things could complicate. You might need extra, I don't know, operations or whatever it may be. And there is, uh, that, that's, that's the reality on the ground. So that ping pong thing right, is possibly also adding a fair bit to the cost. Because yeah. you can imagine the number of people that involved in the chain and we haven't even reached the treatment yet. Yep. So Absolutely. that's, that's, that's a thing, uh, yeah. Well, Elijah, I wish I bought my IP from you because I have your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you. I, I'll be saying, uh, it, it, keeping up with this is actually quite tricky. Um, I know. I'm sure you've been holding a lot of webinars for your clients, right? I have, I have. Yeah. But it's it's just, at the more I hold, every time I hold a webinar, I, I, I discover something new. Really? <laughs> that's just how big the scope is right now. Isn't so it? it's a very heavy topic today, I have to say, but I feel like it's just important uh, as well because everyone needs to know this and we don't have a perfect solution. Uh, it's, 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 uh, that's my thought. Um, but we must learn how to cope with it and we must know that, you know, if we are in the, if we have that gap, okay, that, that we feel that, oh, I have this gap. Uh, if I end up on a treatment not, on non-CDL, I have this gap, what do I do? Yeah. Am I prepared? If we haven't asked those questions to ourselves, we better ask ourselves those questions. That is the key question to ask and get answered at this point in time. Elijah, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We do appreciate it. He's Elijah Lee, Senior Financial Services Manager from Philips Securities. Here on Money and Me, I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.